Today on the Have Form, we are back for 2023. First episode of the year. First episode in I don't remember how long, maybe a month. I don't know. I, when the Habs aren't winning, I feel like we're not as uh, as as consistent. So I'll just uh, I'll just blame it on that. But we are doing something a little bit different here right now. We are recording, starting this during the intermission of the game. So we're gonna get some live updates, but I guess it's not really live since we're gonna release this after the game. But anyways, the game is going on as we're watching this. The Canadians are currently up. 3-2, and of course, this is during the Nashville game where we paid honor to P.K. Subban. Well-deserved. We're obviously going to talk about P.K., the speech, one final triple low five and all that uh, good stuff. Uh, aside from that, as far as the halves goes, I think uh, everyone agrees, or almost everyone, the, the tank is officially on. We'll talk about that. Or is it a problem how we're losing? It's been pretty, pretty bad shades of last year some people even talking about saying do we as a coach should we be worried about that and of course Slavkovsky would he be better off being in uh, Laval right now while this is going on and one last thing world juniors just finished well I guess they didn't just finish but we haven't recorded since they finished we're going to talk about the best house performers during the world juniors so first Dustin I think we got to talk about PK Subban I mean we've talked about PK Many, many times on this show, uh, I've I, I'm someone just to put it in context that when PK Subban got traded, I threw my cell phone across the room. I was furious. Uh, my girlfriend Lily came into the room like panicking, like what's going on? Like she thought like I had news that a relative had died or something like that. But, but might as well have been that. I I was very upset. No hate towards well, Shea Weber, but I was still very very upset. When uh, PK left, it was great to see him back in the Bell Center today. How'd you feel about his speech? Oh, I mean, uh, what uh, we all know that uh, PK Subban is obviously a great talker, and and you yeah. know, I mean, obviously showed that. And yeah, you know, I, I mean, to be honest, and I'm sure it's the same for a lot of Habs fans. I haven't really given a whole lot of thought to Subban lately. I mean, you know, it's it's been when was he traded? Like uh, I think it was 2016, so seven uh, years ago. Yes, seven years since he last uh, wore the the Habs jersey. Yeah. But it's like, you know, like uh, seeing him in a couple of interviews lately and, and, and basically talking about how much he loved playing for the Habs, how that was the only team that he ever wanted to play with. You know, even growing up, that was his team. And, you know, I mean, he, he meant so much to the city. And then, yeah, definitely, you know, kind of pulled on the heartstrings a little bit. Uh, you know what? What I mean, like, you know, obviously Weber had a decent run here with the Habs as well. You know, we, we made it to the Stanley Cup finals, but. Yeah, you, all, you always got to think what could have been, what what would have happened. See, to have. That's maybe, the maybe thing. That's the thing. No hate to Weber. And like you said, he had a decent run here. But here, the style of player he is was never as flashy, especially by the time he made it to Montreal, right? Like, he, he we didn't get necessarily prime Shea Weber. We definitely got prime P.K. Subban. He had a couple prime years left in here in him when he first started in Nashville. He, he was very, very good for the first few years in Nashville. Huge part of that cup run. I feel like that's very under uh, underrated by, uh, by a lot of uh, uh, quote-unquote P.K. haters. Also, although you don't see it as much anymore. I feel like that now that, that he's been away for long enough, there's not as much a controversy. People are starting to remember again how how great he was for uh, for for the team, and he just the way he he everything he said was so perfect. Of course, he brings someone out from uh from the children's hospital, even has the fans cheer her name. Uh, a beautiful moment, like once again showing what what really really matters to him. And like you can say what you will about some people will be pessimistic about stuff like that. That you know he just. He's just doing it to look good, but he put his uh, the money where uh, where his mouth is, right? He actually paid the money. He's, he's still helping that that hospital, and he is very very loved. I'll tell you that much of that hospital. That's for that's for sure. And for me, what really stood out though is what he said. He was basically addressing the players, and he was emotional. He almost sounded frustrated. Like I get the feeling he's been watching the Habs for the last month, and he's pissed off at the effort. That's been on the ice and everything he said about the fans will always love you here as long as you give it everything you've got on the ice, which is which is so true. Like, look at Gallagher. Gallagher is not a very good hockey player anymore, but we all love him to death anyways, because he, he gives everything he's got every day. Right. Every shift. 
Yeah, no, exactly. And <laughs> we saw it in, in the last game, right, against uh, against the Kraken, where where they were booed off the ice after the first period, booed off the ice after the end of the game, right? And, and you know, I mean, even when the Habs aren't winning, you know, is you want to at least see that effort. Mm-hmm. And definitely not something we've been seeing the last couple of games, last couple of weeks even. And, and yeah, I mean, PK, you know, you can say a lot of things about PK for sure. And, and, you know, uh, the, unfortunately, you know, there, there, he, there are some haters in Montreal, like you said, I mean, it's, it's become less and less, but yeah. you can definitely not say anything against the effort that he did and, and the heart that he showed yeah. every game for the Habs. Yeah. And, and I do feel like the, so when, when PK was traded, I was, I was living in Toronto at the time and I kind of saw the, how some people were turning when you go on message boards and all that, where there was almost a 50, 50 split. And I was always very confused about like what happened at some fans you know, seemingly turned on PK or, or, or what have you. But then I quickly realized when I came back, it's not that the fans turned on PK is that there were PK fans that were extremely annoying about it. And I think that that's more what happened is that some people got sick of hearing about PK, not from PK. So it was never PK's fault. It was from other people when it had been a year, two years that he was gone and it was time to move on. And people were still constantly complaining about. So I think that's more what it was. And there was a bit of a kind of people were so annoyed with the PK fans that they became annoyed with PK. But in reality, when he was playing for the Montreal Canadiens, when he wore that sweater, like, how could you not love him? He just he gave us uh, for fans of our generation, right? Like we don't really we don't remember well, Guy Lafleur, obviously. Even Patrick Roy, like one of my first hockey memories is while asking for a trade. Like I remember watching the press conference and being like, "What's going on? Why are we so interested in this?" And that was the beginning of the Habs being terrible. So you have Saku Koivu first, of course. We have some beautiful moments with Saku Koivu, but then it's PK Subban and Carey Price. That 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 was a, for a generation. That is the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, I mean, Subban, and and I mean, maybe that's probably part of the reason that he ended up getting traded is that he almost became bigger than the Habs at at one point. And uh, yeah, I mean, he he really has sort of well, him and Price obviously have, like he said, sort of defined a generation uh, of Habs fans. Unfortunately, you know, it hasn't uh, hasn't really been the most successful last decade twenty no, for sure. 20 years even really almost 30 years at this point but but, but but before the cup run his his goal against boston his big hit on Marshawn, like the stuff like that those were the big highlights for for, for young Habs fans yeah i mean definitely and actually you know while, while we're recording this you know arpin basu's tweet comes up you know one of one of the quotes I can't wait for the crowd. The no- and well, it just came off, so I don't have it in front of me anymore. But you know, I can't wait for the crowd, the noise, the fans, and and I can't wait to take it all away yeah. from you know talking about like that. That's got to be like maybe the best quote in Habs history, like one yeah, of the it's best just, in sports history. I I I still remember when I I remember when I first read that right because in the middle of like, back when the the Bruins and Habs rivalry has been a bit stagnant lately we just haven't met in the playoffs recently it just it just hasn't been the same it's the the rivalry really hasn't been there but pk suban and marshawn and and those years the it was it was some of the peak bruins rivalry and i remember being you know you know how it is you know you're in the middle of a playoff run uh and and you're 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 in a, a grueling seven game series against the bruins i am stressed at work every single day. My job performance is affected. I can't focus on anything. All I can think about is, okay, okay, we're down 2-1 in the series, but okay, we're, okay, we're home. We're like, that's all I'm thinking about. I'm so stressed. And I remember reading that headline and getting goosebumps and getting, I was motivated by that. You know, I was pumped up to watch the game. I, I can only imagine the effects if it makes on, on, on the players. And, and I feel like we saw it today. The Canadians, we haven't talked about today's game yet. They came out flying more than we've seen in over a month. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time they have played that well. Like, I mean, you don't don't tell me. Usually when there's a pregame ceremony, it's the opposite. The the, the game is boring at first. It's dead. They, like, they, like they're they're kind of coming in cold. That it was not the case. They were pumped up to get started. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, I don't think it was necessarily, you know, sometimes you see one team is maybe a little – a little like uh, like flat or whatever when 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 you have that pregame ceremony but i don't necessarily think that was the predators it was really just the habs that yeah. were that were clicking on it all cylinders and 
And yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think that first period, I mean, I think they had 19 shots in the first period and I mean, just they were the, yeah, I, I can't remember a better period. No, it's it's uh and like even guys like Dadanov having chances to score and all that. Maybe maybe those players that don't yet realize that you can be a, an absolute hero in in Montreal if you put in the effort. We're like, oh, maybe that would uh would would be nice. But I mean, at the same time, I, I kind of get it when the 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 season feels like uh, it's 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 over and you go on Twitter and people are are asking them to lose because they'd rather get Bedard than than, uh, than anything else. It, it makes it a bit more uh, difficult to uh, to motivate yourself. But but before we move on to the game, to, to finish off on the on the PK talk, I mean, I was thinking about it before I saw, I think it was Etienne Ferland, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that uh, mentioned it, that he would love to see one last triple low five. Uh, like, it would be amazing for Price to show up at the end. And when, when they camera panned to Price, Price looking fantastic, too. He's really mastered the kind of, grungy cowboy look thing he's got going he also he looks healthier he looks happier and he's walking uh, out and you just know you know it's coming I, I i got on the edge of my seat i was like are they gonna do it are they gonna do it and i was so excited when they did the triple low five and honestly when i think back of when the triple low five was was banned because of michelle Terry and mark bergman at the time it just and then what we've learned since of the type of culture that we had in montreal under bergman i mean that's just that really drives home to me that, that that's what bothered me the most about the PK Subban trade. I, I get what you're saying about that they don't like that he's bigger than the team, but like, why does everyone have to be boring? And I know there's stories about maybe there was some friction in the locker room and all that it was maybe more than just that. But I really feel like a lot of it is just like you're not allowed to have a personality, or at least you weren't allowed to have a personality in the past in in Montreal. And I just think that if PK Subban uh, was on this team, was a young player today with, you know, Chantal Maccabi being the one who's running the media and stuff like that and and just the, the general management group. I think it would be different. And I do, de- I truly believe, and I know injuries is what mainly slowed him down, but I really believe that if P.K. Subban stayed in Montreal, he ends up having a stronger end of the career because the Bell Center just sent him to a different gear. We, I just don't think he could achieve that in Nashville or in New no. Jersey. I mean, it, it, we saw it time and time again when he was with the Habs. I mean, the bigger the moment, the better Subban played. You yeah. know, any game seven, any 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 playoff series, especially against the Bruins. I mean, he was he was always going to be at the top of his game. And and yeah, you know, it, it is unfortunate that that with the old regime regime, um, you know, it, it it appeared that you know the fun wasn't in the cards and you know they they didn't really want anyone like you said to have a personality and i think it was even caulfield that that said that right yeah exactly uh when you know when when the new regime sort of came in that that he was kind of surprised that you know they could joke around and stuff like that and and i mean especially now you know in 2023 now uh, you know that's what you want to see you want to see players with personality we see it in in most of the other leagues like you see it in the nfl you see it in the nba maybe even a little bit in the in, in major league baseball but you know that that's what sells those personalities and exactly it's good for the league and and i guess the montreal Canadiens don't care about that because they don't have any issues selling jerseys or, or selling tickets and all that but it's it's good for the growth of the game and i do think like one of the reasons why the nba even at times it surpasses maybe not the nfl the nfl is massive but it's it's definitely surpassed the the mlb and and it's one of the smallest uh, youngest leagues uh, i mean is because they did a great job of letting their personalities shine for better or for worse and that's something that the nhl desperately needs and i do think overall the nhl is slowly but surely getting better at attracting young fans more i mean we went to a game recently and although i don't know if it's just because i'm old and i feel like people that are in their 20s look like babies now but uh, I, it just feels like the crowd is pretty young at the Bell Center these days. It definitely helps that the team's bad, so the tickets can be pretty cheap uh, if you if you buy them uh, online. But like my uh, my girlfriend works at, at a at a group home right now uh, with uh, with minors and a bunch of it's, it's mainly girls too, and a bunch of them are, are Habs fans. They all love Slavkovsky and all that. So I do think that the the, the league in general uh, has done a good job of reaching the younger audience more, which uh, which is great to see and. It's, it's it's almost like PK Subban just showed up like a, like a decade too early. If he, if he was in Montreal today, uh, he may, may maybe spends his career in Montreal and uh, and it, it's an even even better career than what he ended up getting. Well, that was that. That's what somebody I believe uh, somebody in the French media had tweeted just just 
you know, a, a couple of minutes ago, basically that unfortunately PK Subban basically showed up to the Habs 15 years, 10 yeah. years too late, you know, because really. he, you know, a prime PK Subban right now with like, you know, with Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, Kirby doc. I mean, that's Arbor Jack guy. I mean, that, that how, like how exciting that would be right now. Like they, they would be must see hockey, like as much as, you know, it, the exciting team that we have at this point, obviously very young team and, and still needs lots of pieces. PK Subban would be a, a great addition to the Habs that, that we have right now. Um, but to get back, we, so we actually got a Twitter question, which is sort of related to what we're talking about right now. So this is uh, from John C. Was PK and Price's low five a slap in the face to Terrier and or Bergevin? And if so, whose hand did the slapping? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't think uh, they they care really. I, I just think they wanted to do it. Uh, I I don't think they're focused on on pissing off anyone. I just think they wanted to do it, and the the current regime was happy to let them do it. I mean, the Habs Twitter tweeted it out immediately when it happened. Uh, I think they could care less what Bergevin and uh, and and especially telling you think at uh, at uh, at this point. But I mean, everyone I, like it's it's I've seen it about. I think I've already seen it retweeted or reposted on TikTok, on Twitter, everywhere about 50 times since it happened. Like people love it. Oh, for sure. And I mean, the worst thing is people loved it when it was happening. Of course. You know, I don't think anybody under the age of 97 was saying that they didn't like the 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 low five i mean it's, it's crazy it's absolute stupidity for sure yeah it's, uh, yeah I, it's uh, luckily that, that that's one thing that we uh we can say that uh, with uh with the the, the new regime that seems, seems to be uh, out of the way but anyways it was uh we, it was so great to see uh to see pk again and just i i look forward to what i'm sure is going to be a great career uh, in front of the camera, he's already started. I already got some great clips. He had that interview with Patch Ready recently, which which was great. And and you can see too. I mean, there were always rumors about Patch Ready and and PK, for example, in the locker room. I could see those two personalities maybe not fitting, but like they're adults at this point, right? So there there's never it's never as bad as we think it is as fans or as the media makes it out to be. You know, like maybe there's an argument here or there, but if you're winning, it it really does not matter. Uh, so, uh, anyways, it was great to say P- CPK. I think he handled that perfectly. And, uh, I, I hope one day we can have, uh, Markov come back for that. Cause I know they wanted Markov for the ceremony too, but, uh, I mean, he's in Russia right now. So I don't know that it seems to be, he was unable to, 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 to come. I don't know why exactly, but, uh, yeah, the Canadians also, cause I know there were some fans saying, Oh, Markov should be getting this honor. They wanted to honor Markov too. He just couldn't make it to the bell center. Yeah, I mean, they definitely should, you know, at it, it, some point. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. guaranteed that's going to be in the cards at some point. Some For sure. Points. One of the most underrated players of his generation, Markov. Like, ab- absolutely. He did not get enough praise. Absolutely. And, and I mean, not just on the Habs, right? In, in the whole NHL. No, no, absolutely. I think on, on the Habs, if you're halfway knowledgeable, if you, if you just watch the games, like you, you could see it. And just how... It was so noticeable once he left, you know, like the the giant hole that that he left uh, once he left is. I mean, since PK and Markov have been gone, there's just been no puck moving defenseman uh, on on this team basically. So, um, anyways, I mean, it's uh, we we didn't. Hopefully, we'll have a podcast where we can talk about Markov in the future. But yeah, such an underrated player. Uh, I I I, I think maybe if the the teams he played on were a bit more, you know did a bit better come playoff time or actually made the playoffs he, he'd be uh, maybe more well known today uh, by the average fan but obviously a fantastic uh, player but back to the the modern day uh, Canadians the current Canadians I mean you, you've been on uh, on team tank pretty much the whole year and I, I was pretty much like I, I don't like the idea of cheering for them to lose and I get it's Connor Bedard I will admit I didn't quite get how good Connor Bedard was until the World Juniors, and he—that was just uh, insane. And I think uh, a, a lot of people, uh, that was kind of a wake-up call uh, for them. But I, what I was saying at the beginning of the year is the way they were winning and the way they were playing, we had to be excited about that because it was the kids doing it. They were progressing; it was great. Uh, but now I think we can all agree with the way the month of December went. Uh, the tank is on. Yeah, the tank is on. It's time to trade away the pieces. This, I, I would I would trade away Edmondson and uh, anyone we can trade away sooner rather than later, honestly, at this point. 
No, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to lose, but I mean, the way that they that they've been losing as of late is just, I mean, just extra painful. I mean, again, you just go back to the last game where they got booed off the ice yeah. in the first and 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 third at the end of the first and third period. I mean, against a, a team that's been around for uh, basically sixteen months. And, and I do think at the Bell Center that is completely unacceptable. I, I I don't care if you're tanking, how bad you are, uh, like the, the the skill you have, a performance like that at the Bell Center that that bothers me because there there's fans paying to be there. Um, my girlfriend was actually be there, was actually be there. Jesus, she was actually there with one of the kids from uh from her group home who doesn't get to see a lot of games, obviously, right? And just that's the game they get to see, right? So it's it's uh. It, it, it's unacceptable. You got to at least put in the effort to to try to give a no. bit of a show. Like tonight, they're up three two. Would not be shocked if they end up losing, coughing up the lead and losing. But at least the fans would have had a, a fun game, you know. No, exactly. I mean, they're, they're they're definitely showing a lot of effort tonight, a lot of heart tonight. That's that's you know that, that's what you want to see. Um, you know, it's it's a lot of the kids too. They're obviously you know Evans has a goal, Doc has a goal. Uh, you know, I mean, that's that's what you want to see from them, right? Uh, and Caulfield, obviously, with the other goal on the power play. But yeah, you know, if if they're gonna, losing is one thing, but like you got to at least put in a little bit, a little bit of effort. You know, especially like you said, it in front of the the home crowd. I mean, it's it's not cheap going to these games, man. <laughs> like, no, I know. Like, Even though I said that the tickets can be a little bit cheaper, it's still not cheap, and you know, concession hasn't gone down or anything like that. Like it's it's a it's an expense to go to these games. So you got to give at least. To, to, I've been to a few games at the Bell Center where the team gets shut out, and man, it's so depressing. It's so depressing. It's. It just feels like you wasted your money for nothing, you know? It's just and like like I said, some people just get to see one game. I remember as a kid, I'd get to, I'd get to go see my dad maybe one, maybe two games if I was lucky that year. Uh, at even at that, there definitely years where I didn't see get to see any games and just give a bit of a show at least, you know, show up. No, oh, exactly. Caulfield just scored again on the power play. Well, there you go, 4-2. Uh, might yeah. get a might get a win. Oh, my stream's very late apparently because it's three-two for me. But Habs are on the power play here, so uh, so that's going to be two goals for Caulfield on the power play. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, you'll see it soon, but basically exactly the same goal one timer. Love to see it. I mean, uh, you like even though I am pro tank at this point, I do think it's important. Like they can't lose every single game. You know, it's important that they do get some wins in uh, <laughs> here and there. Uh, I mean, this game's not over, but like like you said, it's good to see the kids. Get the points. And Caulfield had slowed down a little bit. I'm sure he's happy to get a few goals tonight. Yeah, I mean that. that man, like with how terrible the Habs power play is. I mean that's that's just feed Caulfield for two minutes yeah. straight. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean it's basically what what Ovechkin's been doing with the Capitals for the last 20 years. Exactly. Like just, and and you know he's he's at uh, you know uh, on the, cir- the 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 right side circle there. Just just keep blasting the puck. I mean it, it it's obviously working. Worked twice tonight. He's up to to what twenty was it twenty seven goals now I think. No, uh, let me see. He uh, no, he was at twenty three goals. I'm assuming this NHL.com stats page is not updated with uh, with today's game. Uh, and, and it says twenty three. See, so he, he should be at twenty five right now. Twenty five, twenty five goals, man. And there's uh, what another th- almost forty games left. I think there's. Oh like yeah, 40... uh, t- today's the forty second. So th- this is the start of the second half. So and now he's hitting twenty five. So. He goes on a bit of a run. There's definitely potential to to hitting that 50 goal mark. Yeah, it, uh, like like even the Habs having a 30 goal score, which is obviously gonna ha- well, I mean, knock on wood here is obviously yeah. gonna happen. I mean, just the Habs having a 30 goal score is is almost unheard of the last 20 years. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, just let alone a 40 goal score and a 50 goal score. I mean. And I mean, he's only getting better. Like we we see it, you know, him and Suzuki. And like, yeah, to get back to like, yeah, obviously they're they're not going to lose every single game. You don't want them to lose every single game, especially the way that they've been losing lately. And but when they do win, you know, you at least want to see the kids do it, right? So I mean, yeah, one of one sure. of the things that, you know, a lot of people you know agreed with this on Twitter as well. Like some a lot of the the wins that we had sort of at the beginning of the season were just really good performances from Allen and Moltambo, where they'd get out shot. Yeah. You know, like 45 to 20, they'd win. I mean, that's not, you know, you're you're not gaining anything from that. Just For sure. And all- th- there was a lot of uh, a comeback wins to uh, a lot of, 
I, I mean, I, I do think also, like, I agree. I don't know how much Moltambu and Allen had some games where they definitely maybe stole it a little bit. But I just, I just also think they just were playing good. And then they started playing really bad. Like, they played bad in December. I'm not saying they're the only reason they were losing, but they, they, the whole team was playing bad, inc- including the goaltending. I don't necessarily agree that the beginning of the year was just the goalies stealing games. I do agree that in the current for the current team, a goalie stealing a game is worth nothing, you know? Unless it's Caden Primo, that, that, that I'd be happy to see that. But uh, uh, anyone else stealing a game is worth nothing. Yeah, so what's the point? No, no, exactly. I mean... Uh... No, it, well, I mean that. I mean, at one point at the beginning of the season, obviously, I think maybe after the first month, Montembeau had like a 9.32 save percentage, I think. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty good, especially for for Montembeau. No, of course, of course. But the thing is, is they're both solid backups being asked to kind of play one A one B roles, and Montembeau is basically playing as a starter because because Allen's been hurt a lot, you know. So, and that's just not a workload that either of them should uh, should be. And, and you you notice that when you get to this point of the season, right? When you get to this point of the season, when they've been putting in too many games and all that, and not easy games too, right? Uh, especially when you have games where there's five rookie defensemen on, on, on the back and it's no, uh, no, no, no surprise that, uh, that, that they're struggling. But low-key here, actually, during this game, Drouin, and famously one of our uh, negative reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts is someone complaining because I say Drouin the correct way. I will continue <laughs> saying it the correct way. Uh, three assists so far tonight. Look at him. Yeah, man. He's uh, yeah. He he's actually really turned it around the last couple of games. I mean, quite a quite a few points the last couple of games. I I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but obviously, I mean, three assists tonight is pretty damn good. Three. And I, I mean, will say three secondary assists. That's you know, just saying. He uh, uh, he still I mean, doesn't have he still doesn't have a goal <laughs> this year. He's I never forgot been about that. Goal scorer, right? I mean, I he, he okay. He might not be a goal scorer, but he should have some goals, you know. Okay. I guess. Well, you know, he's he's focusing on moving the puck. I mean, if he can keep racking up the assists, that's fine too. I mean, I, I hope he's focusing on raising his trade value. I mean, at the, <laughs> I don't know. If there's a there's a any, any there'll be any takers there, but yeah. So, so speaking of tanking and trade and all that, are, are you a little bit worried because I. I as far as trading goes, well, first of all, I don't think regardless of if you're tanking, they ever want to have five, even six rookie defensemen playing. Uh, I, I don't think management wants that because I don't think and I, I get it. It's not great for, for the progression of the players and all that. Do you think that it, they shy away from from making these trades because they don't want to make the team worse because they're losing in ugly ways and. I get that then you want to be tanking, but then are you are you hurting the kids by making the, the rest of the season miserable? I, I don't necessarily agree with what I'm saying, but do you think there's a possibility there that a guy like Edmondson, they want to hold on to him because they have so few veterans on the, on the blue line right now? I really hope not. I mean, you know, if you really want veterans, I mean, you can always sort of do, you know, like if, if for example, you were to move Edmondson to to Edmonton, who, you know, they, they seem to be linked pretty, pretty strongly as of late. You know, maybe Edmonton sends you back a defenseman. You know, it kind of works maybe with the cap as well. Sure. There's probably some defensemen around the trade deadline that you can get off off of waivers as well, potentially. Or a bad so, contract somewhere that needs to be yeah. moved. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, that too open up some some cap room. For, for teams that are trying to make a move at the trade deadline. So, you know, I, I, I mean, I think you can definitely figure it out. And I mean, like to me, you know, I, I mean, I, we've talked about before, there's not a whole lot. I, I don't think that the Habs can do with, you know, with the, with the contracts that they currently have. Like you take a look at guys like that, that we'd like to move guys like Dwayne Hoffman, Dadanov. I can't really see much of a market for those guys. No. Like if, if you can get anything, if you can get a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, let's yeah. do it. Unfortunately, but, what was going to be one of the, the big gets. And I, I haven't heard any news. Uh, I mean, Edmondson, I do think you get a good return, but uh, Monahan, who. So, so unfortunate, right? He was having such a good year and. It really was the start of the collapse, and I, we we talked about it when he when he first got injured. I, I think even before he got injured, we were talking about how like Monahan was a big reason why this team was doing so good. And if he got hurt, it would really change what this team looks like. It just shows you how center depth is is so important in this league. So 
I mean, if he comes back before the deadline and shows it, I think I think teams are going to want to need him to prove it again because he was on pace to being another first round pick for us. It's really unfortunate, and also obviously, you know, it feels a bit selfish to say it that way. It's unfortunate for him to to get hurt again when he was having a bit of a bounce back year. No, definitely, but uh, I I think he's supposed to be back in the next couple of weeks. So you know, let let's hope maybe he can get back. You know, at the latest end of January, maybe beginning of February. That still gives them, you know, maybe two or three weeks at least before the trade deadline. If he can still show that, you know, he 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 bet, can bounce back a little bit back from the injury and and maybe put up a couple of points. I mean, I, I still think there's going to be a market out for them for him. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, ideally, you know, if, if you can move Ed, Edmondson and Monaghan again, ideally for a first round pick for each of them. I think that's reasonable. I Do think you think Monaghan fetches a first-round pick now because he got hurt? I think teams are going to need to see proof that he's not injured because of his injury history. Like regardless of his this if this this injury has anything to do with his previous injuries, like our team's going to take a risk on a first-round pick on Monaghan when he's hurt again. Like he needs to come back and play a couple good weeks. I think for teams yeah. to be willing to pay that. Yeah, probably he's going to have to come back and and you know show. Show that he hasn't really lost a step. Show that he's healthy. Uh, hopefully, put up a little bit of points as well. Um, but I, you know, I, I I think he I think we can still expect to get a first round pick. Again, he's going to have to get healthy before before the trade deadline and play a couple of games at least. Um, but for me, I mean, those two guys got to be moved. And you know, at worst case, if unfortunately you can't get a first for Monahan, I mean, I think you can definitely get at least like a second and maybe a pro, maybe like a mid level prospect. We'll see, but I mean, r- regardless of what you can get, I'm I'm going to be trading Monahan to and the highest bid. Are you trying to stock as many 2023 picks, or because I know this 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 draft is supposed to be stacked, but we already have two, like one guaranteed top 10 pick and potentially two with uh, with Florida. Who hopefully, keep a. Uh, keep losing. Do you, do you try to spread the wealth a little bit, or do you want as much uh, 2023 first round picks as you can get? I mean, I don't mind the idea of, uh, you know, potentially waiting. Like, if we could get maybe three first-round picks, so you get a, one additional first-round pick. Let's say you move Monaghan for a first-rounder this year, and then Edmondson you move for a first-rounder next year. I wouldn't mind that either. I mean, okay. I think we could, you know, depending on, like, I know there's a lot of conditions on the Calgary pick that we're eventually going to get the first-round pick for the in the in the Monaghan trade. Um, that could potentially be next year. So, I mean, potentially you're looking at three first this year, three first next year. So I mean, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind. Uh, wouldn't be the end of the world if you can. Uh, but you, you got to think it's worth a little bit less if it's a, if it's a year later. For, so maybe that's what they can get for for Monahan, especially since I think this year's. Uh, I mean, it's the Bedard draft, but it's it's more than just Bedard, right? It's it's it sounds like it's a very very deep draft. So I think twenty twenty three draft picks, first round draft picks are going to be very very in demand. So I wonder if for Monahan. Maybe you're not able to get a 2023 first, but if he comes back, shows that he's it was just a minor setback, and he's looking like he was looking before he got hurt. Maybe he can get it first for next year, and I, if we, that still means two first for like for, for free for uh, for just having Monahan on the team for a while, like it's just it's still <laughs> incredible, right? Ridiculous trade, but uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, no, definitely. I mean, you know, if we can uh, get a couple more first, I mean that that that'd certainly be great. I mean, and you know, if, if, if you ask a team for their next year's first round pick, I mean, just look what happened with the Florida pick, right? Exactly. Exactly. You never know. You, you, you never know. Like they they were the president's trophy winner last year. And now I I keep seeing these, these, these tankathon clips of people getting Florida with the first pick and it's just, Oh man. Oh, that like, I'm not even going to think about the, the, the real possibility. Like the, the odds are, are, astronomical but the real possibility of getting one and two that would be absolutely insane but i i'd rather have florida win the lottery uh which goes to us because that's just that even us winning the lottery also because our pick would would be higher too uh even though it doesn't win but it's just so much funny funnier like just oh Um, man that'd be good and like i mean there has been some talk too now that uh potentially florida could be sellers at the deadline so i mean that that pick could (sighs) that, that 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 would be a tough like I, I think they need they need to fall some more, but maybe because they want to go get another first round, like they want to go get a first round pick, right? Like they because they don't have one. 
No, exactly. They, they'd like to get a first round pick. And I mean, I, I think, I think maybe they realize that, uh, yeah, they're, well, I mean, they're definitely not, not going to be a rebuild, but like maybe sort of a, sort of a reset. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, they do have a lot of good young players. No, for sure. And th- that's the thing too. It's like, they could bounce back. I mean, they destroyed us like a week ago. If, uh, like when, when is it that we played Florida and they absolutely annihilated us? I mean, they're, they're obviously, I mean, the Canadians have been playing terribly. Don't get me wrong, but like, they're not a bad team. Like they shouldn't be doing this poorly. Uh, but, uh, thanks. Like we should, we should be thankful that, uh, <laughs> that they are, uh, but, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I would be surprised if, uh, like, unless they're able to get a first, which, like, I don't know. I, I, I would be surprised if they sell because it, it's, it's it's such a lose lose for them, right? Like, yeah. if, if they're better off finish, finishing just out of the playoffs, even if you know, it, it's it's a completely different situation for them because it's it's embarrassing, right? It's like uh, how much like, do do we laugh it, at the Leafs when they did this with? Uh, with the was the Kessel trade, you know that they went with that 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 trade that happened there for for, for Sagan. Yeah, they actually traded the picks for Tyler Sagan and, yeah. and Doug Hamilton. Yeah, so that's pretty crazy. Yeah, but yeah, imagine you traded basically Connor Bedard for Bencher. Connor Bedard plus, I mean, uh, I think a draft pick and and uh, prospect Tyler uh, Smilinik for <laughs> a couple of months of Bencher. <laughs> uh, he didn't even play well for them, didn't he? Get scratch at one point in the. Uh, in, in the playoffs, sure. I think I think he, he did. never really did that well. Um, but yeah. Anyways, so hopefully, hopefully it can happen. I, I just, I, I refuse to believe. If you at all believe in conspiracy theories and them rigging the lottery and all that. There's there's absolutely no way the Canadians move up in the draft. Uh, I the, the one thing that I think everyone is hoping is that it doesn't go to Chicago and Chicago drops the third. I think everyone wants that, you know, with, with all the stuff that's happened with Chicago recently. Oh yeah. If they're ever gonna rig a draft, if it's and, and they talked about this on on, on Spin Chicklets too. These are two former NHLers, and I know they're joking around, but there's some truth behind the jokes. If they're ever gonna rig a draft, it's this year to make sure Chicago doesn't win. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean uh, there's gonna be conspiracy theories uh, for uh, for for years to come if if Chicago does. Does lose uh, that pick, but but speaking of uh of first round picks, uh Slavkovsky, there's been a lot of talk. Well, first of all, the World Juniors. We talked about this the last podcast. Obviously, he didn't get sent to the World Juniors. A lot of people think he could have. Simon Nemec uh, also made a comment about maybe if Slavkovsky's on the team, he scores a goal in overtime for us when we needed it. Uh, which you know, I, I get it for him. He would have loved to have you know, who would have been their star player there for them. Uh, Sofkovsky obviously says all the right saying things, happy to be in Montreal uh, and all that. But now a lot of people think he should be in Laval, I mean, especially with how bad of a stretch the Canadians went through. Is it really for the best of his development to be in Montreal right now? Obviously, people are talking about Kotkiniemi, Galchenyuk and stuff like that. What what, what do you do with Slavkovsky at this point if you're, uh, if you're the Habs GM? Uh, you know, like I, I was definitely on Team Laval. Um, you know, but, but, uh, really up until today, but if somebody tweeted out again, somebody in the French media, I forget exactly who it was that said, you know, he, he, he basically sees Slavkovsky every single day and he's, you know, there's a lot of talk that all oh, Slavkovsky looks like he's lost his confidence. He looks like he's down. He's never smiling, but you know, th- this guy basically said that, uh, no, that's, that's not at all Slavkovsky. Did he, you know, he looks as confident as ever. He's always got a smile on his face. And, okay, maybe he's not necessarily playing top minutes, but playing in Montreal, he's with the best coaches in the uh, best hockey coaches in the world. He's yeah. playing with, you know, the best teammates that he can possibly play with. You know, if he goes down to Laval, Laval's not doing very good either. <laughs> well, you see, that's the thing, too. This is not like a Carey Price wing it, winning the, the, the tr- championship in Laval situation. You know, like, Laval's not doing great either. And another point too is that like we, and i understand habs fans feeling this way and thinking about cutting yemi thinking about like the fact that we haven't really developed a prospect in probably in years but this is a completely new group running this team right now right we we have the development coach now too that we've seen work very hard with slavkovsky it, it's not the same group 
that's dealing with him right now. So I, I, I get thinking, oh, no, we're doing the same mistake again. And we should send him down. And I, I understand that that train of thought and, and like the PTSD some Habs fans have uh, around that and not wanting to kind of waste uh, another another talent. But it's just that's not the situation. They kind of get a, a, a clean slate now, and we just kind of have to wait and see. And it's whether or not we believe that this new group put in place the proper tools to really – develop a player and i'm hopeful that they did at least we know that there is a plan in place and they're making an effort for it uh but uh yeah at this point i just you might as well stay in laval i mean i don't i don't see and i don't is a big deal either it's it's just it's he's putting in the work at practice he's learning the nhl game let's not forget he's a european player right you know so he's learning the the intricacies and the differences there uh, and you still see flashes here and there. He has those flashy moments. It's not going in the back of the net, but he has those flashy moments for sure. No, exactly. I mean, and, and I like, you know, you'd want to see him, and, and we have seen this the last couple of games. You know, he's playing a little bit more. He's he's getting some better line mates. You know, he's playing a little bit more on the, on the third line. Um, you know, he, he did even get a little bit of time in the, on the power play. And, and you know, I, I think he's looked pretty good when he has had those chances. And and something that, that we have seen him and certainly tonight. I mean, we saw him block a couple of shots tonight, throw yeah. the body around a little bit. That's what I really want to see him do more of because I think if the more he he gets involved physically, I mean, I think I think he's just going to get better and better, grow, you know, get more and more confidence as well, and get more and more comfortable. And you know, he's such a big body. I mean, that's that's what he's got to do. He needs to throw. Yeah, out. and and that is worth something too. That makes me less nervous about him because it means something. At, at this stage when he's a kid, because we have seen players like I, I still think of of Gilbert Brule, who the Columbus Blue Jackets started in the NHL in his rookie year. And the guy, he was like 140 pounds soaking wet. You know, he was tiny. He, he, he and he, I remember he had this injury. I, I forget exactly what the injury was, but it's basically an injury that only happens if you're he just got body checked. But he was so small that it kind of wrecked him. So, so yep. that is that's that's not the case with Sapkowski. He's uh he's he's already a a large grown man and he, he can hold his own. It, he we haven't seen him get get rocked uh, again since uh, it happened a few times earlier in the year, which is good. I think that's a sign of the development working. They worked on that and it hasn't happened again, even though he has a target. So uh, I, I'm I'm confident in his progress. No, definitely, definitely. You know, I mean. And uh, I mean, w- was anybody really expecting Slavkovsky to come in here and score 20 goals in his rookie season? I mean, yeah. no. I mean, you were da- you were dreaming in Technicolor if you thought he was going to do that do that much. You know, I, 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 yes, I'd like to have uh, to see him have a couple more goals, a couple more points. Certainly, I like to see him getting a little bit, uh, you know, get a little bit more playing time. But you know, I mean, they're taking their time. Yeah. That's one thing I, I would do. I mean, maybe we say that because like it's it's exciting and we're fans. I don't know if we're right or we're wrong, but I do feel like sometimes like give him a bit more time on the power play. Give him a, like at the end of a game, like give him a few minutes on. He's, I feel like he's the only player on the team who hasn't had a true shot to play with uh with Suzuki and 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 Caulfield. Although I feel like at this point, basically they tried to split up the top line and play Doc on a different line just to spread the wealth. I'm assuming and. Uh, clearly that wasn't working and they're back together. So the thought, I'm thinking now they're probably going to stick them together, but I would like him to get a few more chances, but at least lately he's been playing a lot with, uh, with uh, like Dvorak and Anderson. He's not just playing with, uh, you know, with Jake Evans, who's actually been playing pretty well recently, like, or with Michael Pozzetta and stuff like that, that, that feels like a bit of a waste of time. Uh, but, uh, but, but, but still, I, I think they know what they're doing with, uh, uh, with Safkoski, and we just we just have to be patient, man. He 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 he's a kid, and the the one thing we were worried about is that he was gonna have this type of season, and while Shane Wright was like tearing it up in in Seattle, and, and Shane Wright went to the World Juniors, and now he he's back in junior, so you know we don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> that's that's not what's happening, so we just let it be, and I think it'll be all good. But speaking again of the World Junior. A lot of Habs players uh, looked pretty good at the World Junior. I think the the, the top one uh, we need to talk about, uh, Joshua Roy, who is I love the nickname. I'm, I'm seeing on forums online calling him Wawa because of how Anglophones say uh, say Joshua Wa. Uh, lo- love that, but absolutely fantastic performance. And at times, at times, was the best player for Team Canada for some of the for, for at least one game. 
and that's what, on a team with Connor Bedard. He he looks fantastic out there. I mean, I don't know if he was ever better than Connor Bedard. No, there was one game, the game where he got uh, where he got like uh, like a two goals and an assist or something like that. He was definitely the best player on the team that that, that day. But Bedard didn't do much that day. Yeah, I mean, I, like I I definitely think it's it would be hard to argue that Joshua Wow wasn't the best player on Team Canada, not named Connor Bedard. Like he he was he was fantastic. I mean, you know, he put up points. He he did, you know, he he eventually got promoted to that first line with uh, with Bedard and Stankoven, and I mean, they they just killed it, all three of them. Yeah. And I mean, not not only that, but I mean, one thing that, that was that was really impressive for me was some of his uh, some of his time on the PK. He was fat, yes, fantastic, you know. Yes, and then his interview when he said, "I've never played on the PK before, but uh, hey, I do what the coach asks, and uh, hey, get good." You know, you love you love to hear it. His attitude is amazing. I think he's going to turn into a great player in the NHL. Absolutely. I mean, he could absolutely be be a steal. You know, when he was drafted, you know, he was drafted in the fifth round because there was, you know, there, there was a lot of talk about he was out of shape um, before he got yeah. traded. Like he, he was, you know, originally drafted first overall in the queue by uh, by St. John. But by and, the way, not to cut you off, but it, the tank might still be on. It is now four, yeah, three with yeah. a minute left. Yeah. Four, three. All right. Exciting stuff. Yeah, but but yeah, yeah, so you were saying Joshua, well, yeah, he had an issue with the, uh, a bit of his attitude and he wasn't in shape, right? Wasn't in shape, you know, his, his skating wasn't bad. I mean, definitely, you know, it, when he was drafted, uh, what, two years ago, if you would, if you, if like you would have told anybody that Joshua Wow was going to be playing for a team Canada at the world juniors on the, and killing it on the PK. Yeah. Nobody, nobody would have. And, and the thing too, that I love about it, he, he's honest about it, right? Like he talks about how he had a lot to learn and maybe he, he got away with it. Like we see so many times, I'm sure he was one of those kids when he was, 13, 14, 15, where he didn't have to try at all and he'd still dominate everywhere he went, right? Like, and he needed to kind of grow out of that and he figured it out and he did it and he was honest about it. And now it's made him that hard, much harder of a worker. And it just could end up being an absolute steal of a player. I mean, and who knows? Uh, maybe he already built some chemistry with uh, the Habs' future number one center. Uh, maybe, maybe now the Habs just got to make a trade to, to to go get Stankoven. Well, a yeah. lot of people were talking about how Stankoven was available when when Logan Mayu was uh, was picked. A lot of people actually at the time wanted Stankoven as that pick. So uh, I thought I saw that coming back a few times. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. <laughs> and then we all know how popular that pick was, obviously. Oh, super popular. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean Joshua White, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, and he played one game in the playoffs with uh, with Hamilton, la- or not Hamilton, Laval last year. And I mean, he definitely did, didn't look out of place. He had a couple of scoring chances. Uh, I mean, he's he's definitely going to be playing in Laval next season, and and I think he's going to be a really exciting player to watch. Yeah. Uh, you know, hopefully they have an exciting team next season. Yeah, I can't, I can't can't wait to see his uh, his uh, his progression. You could, and and also the, you love to see that you know the the probably the the top like Quebec born, you know like player that's not in the NHL right now might be Joshua Roy, and he's in the Habs organization. And like say what you will about whether or not that should matter or not, it matters. There always needs to be at least one Quebec one in the roster. We saw. It. The, the what what happened to the complaints when there wasn't one so if we can have a homegrown one that would be amazing and uh th- then you don't have to worry about that for the next decade or so you know like you know like a lot of fans and stuff uh you know bitch bitch about the fact that the haves have to go go or go out of their way to get french canadian players but like any team is like that like if toronto 100%. has the choice of choosing a, a a player that's born in toronto or a, or a russian player for sure, they're gonna go with the Toronto boy. Hundred percent. Like, just think of Don Cherry. He used to always be like good old Sudbury boy or good old Red Deer boy or whatever random like Canadian city. Like he'd say that all the time. <laughs> that obviously means something. No, I mean exactly. Like, well, I wouldn't go too much by what Don Cherry says, but I mean, oh, I'm 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 not saying I go by what he says. I'm saying a lot of the type of fans that complain about the Habs drafting French players are the type of fans that are on Twitter saying bring back Don Cherry. I'm just saying. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. But I mean, yeah, it, it, it definitely, you know, if we can get, you know, good, good prospects, good French Canadian prospects, I mean, even better. But I mean, he wasn't the only one either that was good in the world juniors. Nope. It, you know, there's a lot of really good performances, even Owen Beck, who only played, I think, three games. Yeah, and uh, came in under unfortunate for- circumstances, of course, but we we're happy to see him join the team. 
Oh, absolutely. And I mean, difficult for him to just sort of jump into it right yeah. in the play, uh, well, the, uh, the, the knockout phase as well. So, I mean, difficult situation for him. And, uh, you know, he was he was really good for Team Canada as well. It was frustrating watching his first game, though. Like, I understand why he, they played him like two minutes. It was ridiculous. I understand that they didn't want to play him a lot because he just came in and all that. But if you watch that game, they were getting dominated on the faceoff circle. It was one of the, the the biggest talking points of the game. It was a big issue. And if there's one thing he could do, even if he's cold, let him take the face off and then he can get off the ice. That's one thing he does really well for a junior player. That that was frustrating me a little bit, but he he got more ice time after that, and he was playing with, with Fantilli, and 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 Fantilli wasn't looking that good, and then all of a sudden he put Owen Beck on his line, and he's looking good. I'm I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Yeah, there you go. So so there you go. So our our first line next year is going to be Bedard uh, with Joshua Wine, and uh, and our second line I guess will be uh, Owen Beck and Adam Fantilli. So uh, like- Suzuki and Caulfield are on the third line in this scenario. <laughs> Ship him out. By the way, uh, the, the the tank is not on for today. The Canadians officially win. The Nashville Predators with a beautiful chance in the slot. I did, I, since we're doing the podcast at the same time, I didn't quite notice who it was, but whoever got that chance in the slot for Nashville with nine seconds left to tie the game completely whiffs on the shot. Uh, I mean, usually you'd love to see it, but you know, you know how it is when uh, when when you're when you're tanking for Bedard. But uh, hey, like we said, they got to win some sometimes. And let's just say they won it for PK. So uh, yeah. happy that could be the the one win uh, they get. But yeah, like you said, Beck was looking great, and uh, and then also Philip Mazar was looking uh, looking pretty good. Got 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 some points here and there uh, playing on the Slovak team. Yeah, no, Masar definitely looked pretty good, uh, pretty good as well. I mean, you know, not, uh, he definitely wasn't on the most talented team, Slovakia, unfortunately, but uh, they definitely would have loved to have Slavkovsky in the lineup. Yeah, I, I would have liked to see them play together. But anyway, I mean, no, Masar definitely looked uh, looked pretty good. I thought. I mean, yeah, and I mean, yeah, you know, he's he got off to a really good start in Kitchener. He's he's sort of slowed down a little bit as of late, but um, but no, I mean, I, I think probably we'll end up seeing him in uh, in Laval next season and uh no, i'm excited to see what he can do and uh the, the, there's another the, I'm, I'm blanking on his name there was the, there's one of the prospects on was it the swedish team or the finnish team the, the habs prospect also yeah well there's a prospect on both teams but oh, uh, there you go hey that's that's why i was getting confused really you know oh yeah clearly clearly uh adam engstrom i mean uh, also third rounder uh left-handed defenseman from uh from this draft i mean he he was fantastic as well i mean played top minutes really uh for uh for that for us well i mean a, a good swedish team that, that yeah. sort of performed but but i uh, know he looked really good um you know, I mean, uh, I definitely love Adam Engstrom. I mean, he seems to have a lot of upside. He's playing in the Swedish. Uh, he's played at least some in the Swedish Elite League this this year. So uh, definitely looking like a solid prospect. You know, he'll probably be over there, I would imagine, for another uh, at least another two years in Sweden. But uh, he's he's definitely one to watch for the future. And uh, and yes, the Finnish player as well. The, actually, the team captain for uh, for Team true. Finn. Very true. Kapanen. Uh, he he looked he he played pretty well as well. Again again a Finland team that that sort of you know that did not exactly the most talented team, but uh, I mean they he had a good run as well. I think he scored if I'm not mistaken mistaken five points in seven games. So uh, so not a not a bad performance for, uh, from him as well. I mean he's more of you know he's not necessarily a big time scorer. He's going to be sort of a 200 foot guy. I would say and of, some- and of course actually we're kind of burying uh, lead a little bit here with. Uh, the player I was probably most excited to see in the World Juniors, but didn't 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 have as many flashy moments as I would have hoped in in uh, Lane Hudson. All although he did look pretty good uh, at times. I will say one thing. I will say he didn't look as small on the ice as I expected him to look based on how everyone talks about him. Like obviously he's small, but like. I said this when we were talking about. It. I feel like Cole Caulfield looks smaller on the ice when he's playing, you know. And I know it's he's a defenseman, it's a bit different, but I, I didn't think he looked that tiny on the ice, you know. With with the skill he has, I think he'll be able to compensate for it. No, oh, definitely. And and a lot of people on Twitter were were pointing that out that he definitely didn't look as a you know. I think he was originally listed when he when he was drafted as as five eight, if I'm not mistaken, and he definitely didn't look that small. Um, you know, he looked like he was at probably at least five ten. So I mean, if if he's five ten, five eleven, and and I believe it was Craig uh, Craig Button that said this, you know, if Lane Hudson was was five eleven, he would be first. He would have been the first overall pick. So first overall, first overall pick. Oh, okay. Head of Slavkovsky. If he was five foot eleven. I mean, 
He's grown five, a little. 5'10", five, 5'11", five, I would argue is ideal height. I mean, for for no particular reason, I'm just I'm just saying that's the perfect height for <laughs> for a man. Um, perfect in general, you know, for any sport, for any for anything, just, for just sitting on the couch and watching sports, it's perfect too. Uh, but uh, but so so then after the World Juniors, how would you rank? Let's say the top three in 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 order prospects for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, not including Savkowski, like just players that are not playing for the Canadians. One, two, and three. I mean, I still got to go with, I think Lane Hudson with, with his ceiling is just so high. Like you definitely got to go with Lane Hudson first. Um, yeah. You're sort of putting me on the hot side. I wasn't expecting but, this question. Lane Hudson. Owen Beck uh, then I would think second. He's looked yeah, so good in junior. Yeah. Owen Beck for sure too. I mean like the because, thing with Owen Beck, like he's, he's not, He's not going to be a guy that's going to score a ton of goals. I mean, at least I I, I don't think most people. Yeah, I but even I, if I, he I, becomes like Phil Dano, like that, 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 that's yeah. the type of players you need to 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 make a cup run, as we saw, you know. Yeah, no, I mean you're definitely right. Yeah, I mean he he could definitely be that, and 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 I mean you know there I don't think there's any reason to believe that he couldn't be that. I mean he's already, and I think even last season he was the the best the or uh, best centerman or at least for face-offs in the OHL. So, I mean, that definitely... Yeah, and he's is. proud of it, too, eh? Like, he loves talking about how good he is at face-offs. And we, we've we had plenty of young guys come in and struggle with that. I mean, Suzuki, he's gotten better, but he struggled with it. I mean, Kirby Doc is probably one of the reasons why he keeps getting moved back to the wing. So having a young guy coming in, being good at face-offs, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not unimportant. It's, it's an underrated stat sometimes. Yeah, no, he's, he's definitely a guy. You know, he... He's not a guy that's going to put up a ton of points, but he can definitely chip in offensively, and and he's going to have a, a very very solid two way game. So I mean, he's he's definitely going to be exciting. He should, you know, uh, he would definitely be at the top of my prospects. And then uh, I mean, so over Lane from, Hudson, or you or you still mean Lane Hudson first, and no one back second. Saying Lane Hudson is uh, is number one. That's for okay, sure. Okay, because you said Owen Beck at the top. I'm just saying. You use well, language the fans can understand, Dustin. Okay. And then, uh, I mean, I don't know if I put Joshua Watt three. I mean, again, I think. So who are you debating if it's not Hua? Um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I guess maybe Joshua Watt. I mean, I think just his performance at the World Junior alone. You you have to consider that, you know, like, and and if it wasn't for the doubts that he had at, at times because of of his conditioning, all doubts that seemingly we can just put aside. I, I I just feel like who has shown more potential than him? Yeah, no, I did. You're right. You're right. I mean, he's definitely putting up a ton of points, and and he has, you know, I mean, he he's just getting better with with each and every season and now with the i mean throwing the defensive game that he that he's added to his arsenal as well i mean yeah he, he he could definitely be one heck of a hockey player like if he can if he can put up like if he can really hit his ceiling i mean he could he could be a top six forward potentially you know with and, and be a responsible top six forward so yeah, I mean Joshua Waz definitely in the mix. I mean, but you know, like I feel- maybe Massar is the other one. Yeah, he is a a first round pick after all. Not that that necessarily automatically makes him at the top, but still. Yeah, I mean he's definitely in the, in the running too. I would say. Um, I mean Massar, I, I like I kind of feel like his his ceiling. And again, I mean obviously just my opinion. His ceiling, I would say, is is a little bit limited. He's to to probably a middle six winger. Um, you know, with, you know, he, I think he as well can be responsible defensively. He can play a two way game. He's going to chip in, chip in offensively as well with a couple of goals, you know, potentially be a 20 goal scorer. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. The, the, like, it's not like we don't have any, like, you know, like top, top scoring prospects, but, you know, a lot of really solid guys for sure. But, I mean, but well, here's I, the thing we're going to add potentially. You know, hopefully a top five pick this year and another top ten to top fifteen pick, which they might slot into the to the to, to to the top like five like at least the, the the first pick we get should slot in to be close to number one on that list. And then you add Slavkovsky, you know, and and all the the young defensemen we have in Montreal. I mean the 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 pool of young players on this team. It's it's just. It went from okay to looking amazing in in a couple of years. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hopefully in this draft, maybe we can get like two really solid offensive prospects. I mean, that would I mean, be great. W- what I'm hoping is because Dvorsky keeps dropping in the in these rankings and all that. And I have keep talking and I liked him for Slovakia. And I keep talking about how funny it would be to get him go with Slavkovsky and Masar. Now, I'm not saying I want him with the first pick we get wherever we draft the first pick. But the way he's dropping, we can end up getting him with the Florida pick. Now, if we can get whoever we can with, like, let's say Canadians pick fifth or sixth, get one of those guys that's in that range. Again, you get Dvorsky with wherever Florida's pick ends up. I think I'm, I'm happy. I'm really happy with that. No, absolutely. Yeah, I've, see, I've seen a lot like lately. Like you said, I mean, Dvorsky's sort of been falling a little bit. Like some some people saying he's not even in the top 10. I mean, that that I don't really see. I mean, I mean, it's. I, no, I, I, I don't see it either, but I feel like it's to our advantage because I, I, I do think that they'll go pick him up if he's available for that Slovakian kind of connection we're, we're building here in Montreal. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I would definitely be happy with Vorsky. And, you know, if, if, if you're drafting like 8, 9, 10, depending on who's available at that point, I mean, of I'd course, of course, be happy with him for sure. I mean, you know, another center can put it, you know, definitely has some, has, you know, can put up points as well. I mean, he put up three points and I mean, in five games, obviously not, uh, didn't light the world on fire either, but he's playing in the, in the, in the Swedish second league right now, 10, uh, eight points in 22 games. I mean, he's, he's a guy that can definitely put some points up on the board and, and, you know, he definitely has a lot of, a lot of room to grow as well. For sure. It just uh, depends how, uh, how far they, they fall. I think the, the Canadians with the strength of schedule they have, the way they've been playing lately, outside of today, I mean, they're not going to get a PK Subban speech before every game. I think they can fall below San, Ho- San Jose for sure. And then Arizona maybe, but like the, the bottom three, a- a- Anaheim, Columbus, and definitely Chicago seem kind of unattainable. Like Anaheim, there's almost, uh, there's a nine-point gap now with today's win between Montreal and Anaheim. Like, is that really realistic? So if they can get down to four, like the bottom four, and then that guarantees them at least the sixth pick. I think I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think some a lot of those teams, though, man, it's going to be hard to <laughs> hard to fall. Like even a team like San Jose, I mean, they're they're pretty bad. Um, not as bad yeah. as the Canadians have been uh, this uh, this last month or so, like outside of today, basically. And like yeah. I said, like it, the, I keep seeing these articles about how they have the hardest, like they have the roughest strength of sh- schedule. They have the most difficult schedule to close out the season. So uh, that that's going to play a part. Like if if we were fighting for a playoff spot, we'd be stressed out. So in, in the same sense that if we're tanking, especially if you move away some players, uh, it, it could go uh, it could go a long way. It really could. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see what they do with the trade deadline. I mean. Man, like, I'm sure, well, me, as, as I'm sure all Habs fans are super excited about the trade deadline. I mean, that's basically going to be the one of the most exciting days of the season. <laughs> the yeah. season. yeah, yeah, pretty much. I was excited for today for the PK Subban day. Uh, I feel like now the next day to be excited about is, uh, uh, well, we're going to go to a game again soon, get one of our miniature bobbleheads. <sighs> that, that's, <laughs> we pay, so it, for four tickets, or well, to, each got a ticket to four different games. Cost us what I think it was like three hundred and eighty dollars for this team. By the way, this team and, they were I mean, playing better when we bought the tickets, though. The, yeah, that's true. The main selling point here was that we were getting guaranteed bobbleheads, and they're yeah, the like smallest. we don't have to wait in line. We get the bobbleheads for sure, which we did, which we did. But it was the smallest bobblehead I've ever seen in my life. I mean, did you ever post it on Twitter? I mean, I'm sure uh, Habs fans have seen him at this point. But I have mine. I'm looking at him right now. Sitting on my shelf next to an old Jose Theodore bobblehead I already had. And it's hilarious. It looks like Joel Edmondson is Jose Theodore's child is what it looks like. It's ridiculous. And the next bobblehead, and that's Joel Edmondson bobblehead. The yeah. next bobblehead next week is Cole Caulfield. Imagine how small that's going to be. You see, now, if the Cole Caulfield bobblehead is even smaller than the Joel Edmondson one, that's funny, at least. You know, like, I would have loved if all the bobbleheads were normal size, but the Cole Caulfield one was the tiny size. I think that would have been great. That would have been But hilarious. no, like, like, really, do you need to cheap out on the bobbleheads? Are you serious? Like, come on. Yeah, that that really rubbed me the wrong way. And, and like, plus, one, now they have this stupid, like, Rona ad on them too 
which um, kind of already ruins them. Like the Jose Theodore one standing next to it, it's super old. I, I think I, I, I lost the stick for it too, but it still looks way better. It's annoying. Very annoying. Hopefully they uh, hopefully they have some better bobbleheads and a better team, quite frankly. Next, <laughs> well, next soon. Week. Soon, soon. Soon. It's, it's, it's trending in the right direction. Anyways, I think that'll do it for uh, our uh, first time live during a game podcast that's not really live because you guys are going to listen to it afterwards but anyways we do what we can here at the Habs forum but uh, as always uh thank you for listening follow us at the Habs forum ask your twitter uh, ask your questions there uh on twitter to give us uh some content to talk about because as you can see if you made it all the way to the end of the podcast we never really know what to talk about you know when the Habs are losing all the time so help us out fans please but uh, yeah thanks for listening and uh, we'll talk to you next time